The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm going to follow an ancient tradition of the church today and sit to teach and preach. I have had to do this a few times over the course of my ministry. Um, And... um, and this time it's because over however many years I have walked the face of this earth, gravity has done its work, specifically on my back. And so uh, I'm having trouble standing for too long. So uh, please bear with me. But again, as I say, this is actually recovering a very ancient uh, custom within the life of the church. When I was young, one of the books that my parents would read to me was a book that was a collection of Aesop's fables. Aesop was famous for his short stories that taught important uh, moral lessons of one sort or another. And one of the most famous of those stories is The Ant and the Grasshopper. You probably know it, but for the sake of those whose memory needs to be refreshed, it's a story about um, an ant that is going around busily all summer collecting not only the food it needs for now, but also food for the winter, storing it away underground where it will be safe and it will be warm when the time comes. The grasshopper, by contrast, goes around enjoying the summertime and being a bit of a musician just sings his minstrel songs all summer long. 
Well, as you might imagine, winter comes, and the ant is cozy and warm down below with its store of food that it collected during the summertime. And the grasshopper comes knocking on the door, um, half starved, half frozen, and the ant points out to the grasshopper that he really should have spent more time collecting food to put away for just this time of year, which he knew was going to be coming. Had he done so, he would be able to sing merrily all winter long with not a care in the world. Now, the moral of that story is articulated in several different ways, but one way that came immediately to my mind, um, being a psych major in college, was the idea of delayed gratification, putting aside the immediate desire um, or, or the immediate reward for something greater, a long-term gain, a long-term benefit, a long-term larger reward. So it is that we tell young people as they're starting out in their career, put some money aside. It's tough because it takes a lot to live, but you need to get into the habit of putting however much you can put away because the day that you will need it later in life is going to come, God willing, if you don't die prematurely. Prior to that, as a student, that same person may have been called on to say no to a large party on college campus because there was an important exam the next day for which he or she had to prepare. And of course, anywhere in our lives, those of us who want to lose a little weight have to say no to that scrumptious dessert that's being offered to us. In all kinds of ways, through the course of our lives, we are called to put aside the immediate in order for the long-term benefit. It is a key to human success, the psychologists tell us. In fact, there was a rather famous study that was done in the late 60s called the Marshmallow Study. The Marshmallow Study was done um, involving a bunch of preschool children and the temptation of marshmallows. The person conducting the study would bring these children into a room and set them down in front of a marshmallow in front of each one of them. And the person said, now, if you can wait until I come back, I will give you two marshmallows, and you can have them both. But if you just have to have that marshmallow, just hit the buzzer and I'll come back in and you can have it, but you won't get that second marshmallow. Well, as you might imagine, some of the children were able to kind of distract themselves from the immediate temptation there. Other children were not. And these children were followed for at least the next 20 years or so to see any 
coordination between their ability to be able to resist eating that marshmallow that was in front of them and later success in life. And the re person reporting on the study said this, the initial participants were followed over their lifetimes. Extensive research using these measures has shown the ability to delay gratification during childhood is associated later in life with a lower tendency toward frustration and aggression, better school and standardized test school score performance, and greater social responsibility and social competence in adolescence. The fact is that being able to delay gratification is a hallmark of our humanity. It is something that separates us from the beasts of the field. The problem is that we still have that animal nature within us that sometimes simply cannot resist that immediate temptation. And the Bible is full of such examples. It starts right at the beginning, the story of Adam and Eve. And what do they do? They pluck the forbidden fruit. Why? Because it was good for food. And it was a delight to the eyes, we're told, and desire to make one wise. Only it didn't. It only pretended to do that. But Adam and Eve succumbed to the immediate gratification and lost the benefit of the long-term goal of communion with God. Our Old Testament lesson, which we just heard read today, is an incredible example of a very famous person, David, whose name means beloved, beloved of God cannot resist the immediate temptation that is before him with tragic consequences. Jesus, when he is uh, confronted by the people who have come to seek him, says, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. In other words, they, they, they had the, the, the physical food of this world that lasted them for a day. But now here they are again, looking for more. And there's an interesting irony to that story, because if, as you read through it, they get to a point where they say, what miracle will you show us? What sign will you show us? And it's kind of like, duh, I did it yesterday, remember? There were 5,000 of you, and how many loaves, and how many fish? See, the problem is not um, the, the signs and wonders. They're all around us. But it has to do with one's focus, and within the spiritual context of our lives, immediate gratification has to do with a too inordinate a focus on this world and the needs of this life, and not enough focus on the ways of God 
and the eternal life that is promised to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. The psychologists may call it delayed gratification, but the Bible calls it self-denial. Remember how Jesus said, he who would gain his life will lose it, but he who is willing to lose his life, especially for my sake and the gospel, will find it. He was the one who also said, seek first and foremost the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added to you. All in their proper priority, all in their proper context, all in their proper time. The ability to be able to put aside for the time in order for that larger benefit. I said it's called self-denial, but when that self-denial is done for a high purpose, we also call it virtue. And Paul, in our epistle lesson today, lays out several virtues that are particularly important to our common life in Christ. He speaks of humility. He speaks of gentleness. He speaks of patience, and he speaks of love. All of these are virtues that call us to put aside self in order particularly to build up the other. Humility calls us to lay aside self-assertiveness and pride. Gentleness calls us not to be vengeful when we are wronged. Patience, particularly in terms of forbearance toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, and indeed toward all human beings, calls us to, to lay aside our desire to um, strike back. And love, we need to remember in this context and in most contexts in the New Testament, is the Greek word agape. It is not philios, it is not friendship kind of love, but it is, as the King James calls it, and is still the best translation, I think, charity. As in, with malice toward none and charity toward all, an honest desire to, for the best for that other person, in spite of whatever they may be doing toward us. These are virtues because it calls putting aside the self, putting aside the immediate desire in order for that long-term gain. Now, as human beings, we know that that's a high order. And it's something that we are just not able, consistently and always able, to follow. That's why our life in Christ is so important. And that's why those virtues that I just ran through, Paul puts in the context of the baptismal covenant. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of us all. 
because it is only as we dwell in Christ that he then dwells in us. And in that mutual indwelling, we find the grace to be able to turn our focus away from this world and the now to the next world and eternity and our life with God. Our priorities are straightened out by being focused on the nurturing of that relationship that we have with God through Christ. It is there that we find the one whom God has sent to walk this world as we do, to share our lives with us, to know all the temptations that we know along life's way, and in his case, has triumphed in every situation. And because of that triumph, is able to help us to triumph as well. So let us not be as Adam and Eve, or as David, or as those people seeking Jesus by the seaside and yet not even knowing what they're seeking. But let us be the people that God has called us to be. As Paul says in Ephesians, I beg you, lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. When we do so, we will be able to have that eternal blessing that fades not away. Amen.